You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. declare that because of your handiwork and your good works eternally we shall praise you teach our hearts continuously your God to love you teach our hearts to love you teach us that there is nothing we have that we did not receive teach us to be drawn closer unto you, O oh God. Teach our hearts to fear you. Teach our hearts to worship you. Father, I pray that this afternoon, with clarity and in simplicity, grant me grace to share your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, the saints of God shall say, Amen. Kindly turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, Psalm 107. Today is a day of joy, it's a day of celebration, it's a day of thanksgiving. A day that we have come acknowledging that the Lord has dealt well with us. And as such, we come to celebrate his goodness to celebrate his mercy, to celebrate his kindness, and out of a heart that is grateful, to thank him. Psalm 107, I begin reading from verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Jump to seven. And led them forth by the right hand that they might go to a city of habitation. Verse 15. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Amen. This afternoon, I'm sharing with us on this Thanksgiving Day a message I have titled, To God Be the Glory. A missing ingredient in our world today are those two simple words, thank you. You see, beloved, thank you must come out of an overflowing heart of gratitude. Thanksgiving must be a way of life. 
the seven Jewish festivals, which are all now being fulfilled in Jesus, which are the feast of the Passover, the unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of Pentecost, trumpets, the feast of atonement and uh, tabernacles were instituted to remind the Israelites each year of God's ongoing protection and provision. God does not want you and I to forget. Thanksgiving is so important to God that he commanded Moses to tell the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8.10 <coughs> that when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. When you eat and chop better and you burp, what you must do is to bless the Lord your God. The psalmist reminds us this morning to give thanks because he tells us that the mercies of the Lord endureth forever. And in verse 8, in verse 15, in the 21st verse, and in the 31st verse of Psalm 107, he repeats himself saying, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You see, to receive a gift and to say thank you is one of the noblest things any man can do. Because when we say thanks, we acknowledge that we have received something which we did not earn or we did not deserve or something that has come to us as a gift. To be able to give God thanks in all things is a true sign that we understand who our source is. In 1636, in the midst of the darkness that engulfed Germany in the 30 years war, they were f the, the Catholics and the Protestants were fighting and the French joined in. Martin Rinkard, a pastor, is said to have buried 5,000 of his members in one year, which is an average of 15 people a day. His parish was ravaged by world death and economic disaster. In the heat of that darkness, sorrow and pain, he wrote the words of a very beautiful hymn for his children. And in that hymn he says, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices. Who wondrous things has done in whom his world rejoices? Who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today? You remember that hymn? To be able to thank God in tough times. And in good times, it's a sign of true maturity. I was telling the first service this morning, we woke up to a news that shocked us. That a sister who 
when Trinity Baptist Church started, was so committed to this ministry. Rising through the ranks as a deaconess and becoming the first head of the Women's Fellowship, passed away this morning, Irene Opoku. And not only that, we woke up this morning, somebody had taken Pastor C's car away. But the enemy, knowing very well that today is a day of thanksgiving, tried everything to make us mourn. But Irene so faithfully served the Lord. A woman who so passionately loved Jesus that all her household have come to know Jesus as their Lord and their personal Savior. May her soul rest in peace. As for car, it's nothing. The fact that you and I can call on the name of the Lord in times of need alone should make us thankful. Even unbelievers have learned the secret that when things get tough, they cry, oh God, help me. But you see, for you, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run into it at time of trouble and we are saved. And we know that this God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. When we went dead and did not know him and were without hope, his eyes watched over us. Two good friends from secondary school lost contact as is very common and after many, many years, over 30 years, they crossed paths on a very busy street. And one of them looked so morose. He looked so gloomy and the other said, come on, Johnny, what's wrong with you? He says, sir, three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $40,000 cash in his will. Oh, his friend said, but that's a lot of money, Johnny. He said, two weeks ago also, a cousin I've never known died, and he also left me $85,000. His friend said, wow. He said, sir, you don't understand. Because last week, my great aunt passed and left me a quarter of a million dollars. He said, ah. So why are you so gloomy? He said. The friend was confused. Johnny looked at him, his face and said, you don't understand. This week has come to an end. Nothing has happened. Nobody has left me anything because nobody has died. And you know, we hear stories like this and, and the immediate reaction is to see an ungrateful Johnny and a greedy Johnny. But you see, that is the trouble with man when we continue receiving something on a regular basis. We expect it's our right. And this is the entitlement mindset that has permeated our world and the church today. You see, people do not know the value 
of things till it starts slipping out of their hands. The air that we breathe, and each one of us, <clears throat> this morning, this afternoon, in this room, we are all breathing effortlessly. None of us has oxygen cylinder with us or with any tubes, but the truth is that doctors, surgeons, nurses will tell you that one of the sights nobody ever wants to see is a person gasping for the last breath. In other words, when people are dying. Air becomes so crucial and so important. But because we breathe without any effort, the way that God in his wisdom has organized the organs in our body, our heart, the lungs, our kidneys, our livers, the way that he has so arranged them and they function normally, so we just wake up and we believe, I got up this morning. David says, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David understood that for his heart to function properly, for his kidneys and for his livers to function properly. There is a maker who watches over every detail of his life, even a hair on his head. God in his wisdom has given us organs and many of our organs, the truth is that if we don't put in too many junk food into our bodies, repair themselves. It is said that the liver repairs itself. It is said that daily our skin grows and repairs itself. And bones, the truth about our bones is that when footballers hurt themselves, all what the surgeon does is to help realign it. It heals itself. The fact that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, hands to pick, the fact that irrespective of where we find ourselves, at least we can move ourselves alone must cause us every morning when we wake up to say, Father, thank you. For I know that your steadfast love never ceases, that they are new every morning. Therefore, this morning, Abba, Father, thank you. David understood the protocol of heaven and sang a hymn, Psalm 100, verse 4, and says that enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his cause with praise. The message Bible says, enter into the presence of the Lord with the passcode, thank you. Thank you. And each morning for every one of us when we wake up, that must be a song and a meditation. That Father, the Father that I've woken up this morning alone, thank you. That you have given me eyes to hear the birds that sing, the flowers that blossom, to be able to see the seasons of life as the trees shed its leaves. Thank you, Father. That I'm living 
to be able to see your handiwork. And that if I live, I live unto you. Because it is in you alone that I live and move and have my peace. You see, beloved, the difference between the man or the woman whose leg is hanging in the hospital, the one on life support machine as I stand here and speak, it's not because they are wicked. Those who slept and did not wake up this morning, they are not wicked. They love God just as you love him. But the only reason you are here and hearing my voice is grace. And if it is grace, then you must know how to thank God. Thanksgiving is so important to God. When Jesus healed the ten lepers and only one came back. Jesus as a gentleman. Ten people were healed, but where are the men? And I pray that as the Lord asks that question, may he find you and I in the name of Jesus as being grateful to the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, there are four groups of people in our world. The constant complainers. They are always whining and complaining. They are not, they are never content with anything. And some of them are even full of anger. You see them, you can see that, ah, there is no peace surrounding this person. They do not understand why they are where they are. You see, but the key is that thank God for where you are. And take a look around yourself. You will see if you are married, the woman God has given you. And at times, all what we see are the mistakes of our wives. Look at the children that God has given you. The fact that you have somewhere to lay your head. Oh, The fact that you have somebody to talk to. The fact that your brain still works and it is sane. And that you can point to your nose and hold your ears. Alone. That you can get up and clothe yourself. And choose the cloth you want to wear. Not restricted. You can hold a Bible and come to church. Without anybody spying on you. Lord, help us to be thankful. Help us. Understand, instead of complaining, understand wherever you find yourself that the God of the past is the God of the present and is the God of the future. And that the God who has kept you, that, you see, the very day you were born, the Lord said, I passed by when your cord was not cut. And you laid in your blood, the Lord said, I passed by and I said, live. Because the very day you were born, the devil wanted to destroy you. But the Lord says, I passed by and I said, live. And the God who said live will watch you to the end. That is why at every juncture of your life, you must be able to say, Abba Father, thank you. 
You must be able to say to God, be the glory for the great things he has done in my life. And there are those who take things for granted. They never give thanks. They believe my own wisdom has helped me to have what I have. I did it myself. And there are too many boastful people who believe that. I did it. You are smart. Jesus talks about a rich young fool in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke. And in the 19th verse, the guy says to himself, I will say to my soul, after he had seen his bumper harvest, so you have many goods laid up for you for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Then the voice came tonight, your soul will be taken away from you. At times, when your bank account comes and it's in the black and the figures are good, thank God. When it comes and the figures are red, still thank God. Because you are not alone. And the truth is that your life is not dependent on your balances at the bank. There is a God who holds you in the palms of his hand. Your names are engraved in his palms. And you are so special that alone should give you cause to say to God, be the glory. And you see here at Trinity Baptist Church, I believe that. I was telling the first service that. I know that once one passed out of this world, you go into the presence of the Lord and wait till the consummation of time when we will sit at table with the King of Kings and with the Lord of Lords. For a city that he has prepared for us, a city in which there is no night. Because the Lord himself in the midst of that city is the light of that city. A city in which there is no pain, there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no toothache. No sicknesses. I strongly believe in heaven. I believe that heaven is physical. And one day everybody hearing my voice in this room will make it in the name of Jesus. A place where there will be no more ISIS. No more fear, fear of the threat of terror. No more. But if the Lord takes me and says I should come back. Before the consummation of time, there is no other church I would love to pastor than Trinity Baptist Church. Those of you who don't like me didn't clap. You missed an opportunity. Praise the Lord. You know why? Because I see a church, regardless of the challenges we go through, I see a majority of people who genuinely desire to serve Christ. And you know what? I don't take it for granted at all. And each day, I have a list. I just love to pray for church members. There are people who have been in this church for 20 years. There are people who have been here for 25 years. There are 15 years. People have been here for years. It will be well with you in the name of Jesus. I see young people who were born here. Dedicated here. 
baptize here, will marry here, and will not miss the rapture. I look at Trinity and I'm grateful to the Lord, not only for the members, but also for the co-workers he has laid together for me. And you see, as a church member, you must be very grateful to belong to a church like this. A church where the pastors are genuine, gen they genuinely love Christ. Today, many of these churches, all what they are doing is they are going about and they are cursing their members. But to be in a church where we raise, we, we, we open our mouths and what we do is to pronounce a blessing, that alone should give you cause to say, Abba Father, thank you. Then there are those who give thanks only in good times. When things are good, they say the Lord is good. When things are tough, they say, why me? And a typical example was Job's wife. Curse God and die. But there are those, you see, such people, then there are those who live a life of thanksgiving. Their song, when things are going well, is, I didn't know you would favor me this way. They, they, they look at their sons and the, the, the daughters God has given to them. They look at the heart of the husbands and the wives God has given to them. They look at the jobs God has given to them. They look at the schools their children attend. The grace, the A's, the A stars, the B's. How? Not only are they saying in the B, keke. But they look at what God is doing around them and they lift their voices and say to God, be the glory. And for such people, when things get off, their song is that I know that my Redeemer lives. And that even in tough times, even so it is well with my soul. For my challenges are temporal. They are content. They know that life is not a competition. And they know that weeping may endure for a night, but that joy comes in the morning. And as such, they are grateful. And I believe that you and I can give God thanks for various reasons. And over the weekend, we have looked at so many reasons why we should give thanks to God. But let me just add maybe another three or four. We give thanks to God because first, he has turned our captivity. Huh. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, verse 1, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Look at verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. They are so fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. When we cried unto him, in the middle of our captivity, we cried unto the Lord and he delivered us. You see, the good news about God is that he causes all things to work together for our good. 
That is why we can always give him thanks. Regardless of the challenge that comes away, God turns it. And Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for our good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. You see, what that verse did not say is that God causes all calamities to happen to us. But what that verse says is that we know that God causes all things regardless of how painful they are, to work for your good. That is why the challenge you are going through today, you will overcome in the name of Jesus. That is why you must begin to sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving, knowing that at the end you win in the name of Jesus. Because he allows things to work for our good. Understand that the road to the palace is bumpy. There are so many contradictions there are so many challenges. Understand that your way, your position is to be at the top. It's at the palace. You are, you are to be the head and not the tail. Anything you touch with your hands must be blessed. But you and I know that to get there, the road is bumpy. But the good news is that God will always turn it for good. On that road, there is false accusation, there is jealousy, there is envy, there is rejection. They will sell you. They will put you into prison. They will falsely accuse you, but understand that God sees. You serve a God who sees. Your life is so important to him that daily his eyes watches over you. And regardless, 13 years of the life of Joseph, was spent in for something he didn't do. And at times people who say things about you, things you will never even dream about. But know that just as God turned it around for Joseph, he will turn it around for him. That is why in the middle of your challenges, you must say to God, be the glory. For I know that my God will turn my captivity. Hallelujah. When his brothers came back at the time of his elevation, he was honest to them. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And that is the God we serve. That is why in all things you can thank him. When they plan evil, he turns it for good. When they try to, when they try to disgrace you, God gives you honor. When they try to Take the best away from you. God blesses you double, double. Anything the devil plans against you, God takes it and he turns it for good. That is why you and I can daily thank him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, and the Bible says they, they, they increased the fire seven times, the furnace. So much so that even those who were throwing them into the fire, God burnt themselves, were destroyed themselves. And not only were they thrown into the fire, they were thrown into the fire bound. But God, who turns all things for his own goodness and will turn your challenges for his own good, gave King Nebuchadnezzar a revelation. And as he looked into the furnace, he said, look, I see four men loose walking in the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. The unbeliever can describe the son of God because his appearance is different. 
He sees him. God opens his eyes and he sees Jesus in the midst of that fire. Listen, there's nothing happening to you that you walk alone. A young man had a dream and in that dream, he saw two paths. And in the revelation of that dream, the four paths he saw were when things were going very well in his life. But then he discovered in that dream that any time things were tough, there was only one path. Then Jesus appeared in that. He said, Lord, how can you do this to me? Anytime things were going good for me, you promised you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You walked with me and I can see the footprints. But when things got tough, you abandoned me and I was walking alone. Then the Lord said to him, boy, that is not the case. You are right. Those four footprints you see are yours and mine. But the single footprint you see was when you were going through tough times, but they, those are mine. Because when you were going through the tough times, I was carrying you. Hallelujah. And the fact that he takes us through the fire and appears in the fire with us, we must thank him. Amen. You see, at times, only heavens know the fire you are, you are going through. But you know what? In the midst of that, people come to you and they ask you, can you lend me some money? Your challenge is so tough, but they come to you for advice. Why? Because they see a glory over you, you yourself at times can see. Why? Because the fourth man is showing up in your life. In your challenges, may he show up in the name of Jesus. It may be the rejection of a relationship. It may be a promotion that is due you that was not given to you because of your love for God and your stand for righteousness. It may be a disappointment, but understand that you must give thanks to the Lord because your God is carrying you in the name of Jesus. You see, the truth about life, anybody can give me a coin, a coin quickly, a coin, any coin. I promise to give it back to you. Coin. You are also rich. No. Yeah. That's a pound. That's 50p. Heads and what? Tails. In any game, be it football, in any game, before the start of the game, a coin is what? Tossed. Where is it? And then the referee. You know, he has, so one will say head, one will say tail. So he takes the coin, tosses it, then, okay, the one with the head wins, the one with the tail loses. The one who won is asked, which side of the field do you want to start playing from? Every captain knows that the worst part to play, to start a game from, is your, for your goalkeeper to face the sun. Because if your goalkeeper is facing the sun, he will battle with the sun. It impairs his vision and also he has to battle with the ball. So they will always choose the other direction. But you see, 
in this life that we are living, in the tossing of the coins of life, whichever side the things it has won, you and I are always winners. Because the one who decides who wins is a king of kings and the lord of lords. So when he tosses that coin, it does not matter where it lands. You are a winner. Come on, tell your neighbor you are a winner in the name of Jesus. We thank him for turning our captivity, but we also thank him for protecting us from the lies of the enemy. And there are too many lies the enemy tells us. That your time of opportunity has passed. But you know that you serve a God who makes all things beautiful in his own time. The lie that you are not good enough. That is why that young man rejected you. That is why that woman didn't matter. When he brings those lies, let him know you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let, 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 the, let the devil know that you are the apple of God's eye. You are a the prince and the princesses unto him and that you are so special to God he has an appointment for you and that your time is coming in the name of Jesus you see the essence of thanksgiving allows us not only to appreciate what God is doing for us but also for when you say father thank you you are saying Lord I trust you I trust you for turning our captivity the lies that the enemy tells us that nothing will change in your life. Let the, let the devil know that the Lord is working a new thing in your life and that it will surely come to pass. We thank God also because he has delivered us from the hand of the enemy. Look at verse 2 again. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. For those of us that the Lord has redeemed, we should be able and boldly say so that the Lord has delivered us from the hand of the enemy. 1 John 3, 8, the B passes for this purpose was the son of God revealed that he might destroy the works of the enemy. That is why we can sing and say that my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God and my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigned. Unending love. Unending grace. Hallelujah. For many of us, so many altars that I've been teaching about. Altars that were contrary to us. Altars we knew nothing about. But when you come to Christ, the blood of Jesus speaks your victory. That and, and, and the armor of God is so strong for you that you are able to stand up and not only to set your family free, but also to break those altars in the name of Jesus. And some of us, when we were born, there were tribal marks made, incursions made on our body. Ask your parents what it means. The covenant they made over your body. And some of us, when we were born, instead of them bringing us to the church for us to be dedicated, they poured libation on the floor and invoked all kinds of spirits. But thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. 
Thank God that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And this reporting notice, when they get you, you, you are in a place, you hear your name, you turn around, you can't find anybody. Just as the Lord calls his own, the devil tries to do the same because of altars. But thank God that the blood of Jesus speaks. Oh, when those altars call your name, the blood speaks and says, my son is redeemed. You are able to put on the whole armor of God. And you put on that armor as a child of God. And the moment you wear this armor, the devil fears you. That is why you and I can thank him. You can't fight any altar. You can't break any altar if you don't wear the whole armor of God. You must be saved. You have your helmet of salvation. You have the breastplate of righteousness. Your stand with God is right. You don't live in sin. You are not fornicating left and right and you are going to fight the devil. He will say, look at you. Your lawyers are get with truth. You speak the truth. You will. Oh. You have the shield of faith. When the enemy says you are a man to nothing, you tell him, ah, I'm a child of the Lord, born of the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, and led by the Spirit. I'm seated with the Lord in the spiritual places. Oh, and the communication of my faith becomes effective as I acknowledge every good thing that is in me. And he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say, when he throws, you take that shield and you stop him. Huh. Your feet is always ready to share the word of God. But you see that all the armory or the armor the soldier of God wears are defensive. The offensive weapon you have is the sword of the spirit. So you tell the devil you Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In the name of Jesus, I bind your works. I cancel your work. I destroy your works. You will have no right over my life in the name of Jesus. For it is written that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I command you, foul spirit, come out. Leave my business. Leave my children alone. Leave my finances alone. Leave my marriage. Because some of these altars, they will never let your marriage work. Some of them, no matter how hard the men work, they end up becoming dependent on women. Minus you in the name of Jesus. We thank God for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. You see, and when you wear this weapon, there is no, no anti-missile that can stop it. It penetrates through borders. It penetrates through every defensive mechanism and it hits its target in the name of Jesus. That is why somebody can be in Africa, you can be here and you can pray and that person can be healed. That is why you are able to say, Abba Father, thank you. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. We thank him because of his unsurpassed glory over our lives. Now look at you. Be very honest. You see, this year, oh, no, uh, the year ends in December. 
next year I'll be 63 years. And when the youth, the new generation, and Ms. chosen generation, and Minister Bello were, 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 were singing, I was standing there and I said, let me practice my dancing. <laughs> then I discovered, as I'm still not bad at all. Yeah. You know, that I can still jump, I can still dance, I can freely. I have every cause to say, Abba Father, thank you. But you see, not to say this as pride at all, but look at those who decided not to walk with Christ. Some of them, you are older than them, but you see them, it's like they are 80 years old. But now look at you. Look, look, look at the glory of God over your life. Look, look at your beauty. Huh. Only God will do that. He has renewed your youth like an eagle's. That is why you can say, Abba Father, thank you. Thanksgiving helps us not to be forgetful. May thanksgiving become an attitude over our lives in the name of Jesus. The verse 22 says, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And today we have declared his works with rejoicing. And when it comes for you and I to make the sacrifice, let us do it with joy. The fact that you have somewhere to lay your head, you must thank God. Many of us are in this room, we are pilgrims, we are strangers in this nation. Of course, many of our young people and many of us now are British citizens, but the truth is that many also traveled and came here. You have somewhere to lay your head, but there are people in this country who are still sleeping rough. People say sleep, sleep rough. You are not better than them all. No! If, uh, if something happens and a policeman comes, the possibility they will question you first and not them is higher. At times, instead of thanking God that our children have schools to attend, we complain. But the truth is that there are so many children who are, they have no classroom. But still, they are thankful. When it is time for you and I to preach the gospel. We grumble and we whine and uh, I don't have the right gadgets to preach the gospel. I don't have the... Look at the guy's PA system. A disabled person. But he's so content. You and I, we have no excuse whatsoever to complain. I think if there is any man who challenges us all, it is Nick. No arms and no legs. You must only see this man swim. You must hear him preach and teach God's words. And if God has given you, you see, so it is not about arms and legs. It's a condition of the heart. May the Lord give us that heart. I said, may the Lord give us that heart. Let me conclude by saying this. In Genesis 
chapter 12, God calls Abraham and he tells Abraham, Abraham, get out of your country. Get out from your family. Get out of your father's house. To a land that I will show you. And then the promise of God followed immediately. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who will bless you. And I will curse him that will curse. You see, God knows that the moment he calls you as his child, you become a target of the enemy. So he says in blessing, he himself will bless you. But in cursing, he himself. So you, you, it is not your duty to go about cursing people. God says he himself will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him. And Lord went with him. Let me jump. Verse 6. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth, three of Moreh, and the Canaanites were there. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, after he had obeyed the commandment, Abraham took some baggage with him, but because till he obeyed, God appeared unto him. And the Lord said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he did what? He built an altar to the Lord who had what? Appeared to him. Hmm. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel. And on the west of Ai, on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Years after, Genesis 28, his grandchild has stolen the blessing of his senior brother and was running away for his life. Remember that Abraham had pitched a tent at Bethel and had called on the name of the Lord in Bethel. Then Genesis 28 says to us, from verse 10 of 28, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He came to a certain place. He didn't know the name of the place. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. Oh. What? And he what? And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. So in the dream that he had, it was not about cows and uh, goats and cockroaches and snakes chasing him. But it was a ladder who stopped right to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Oh, the stairway of heaven. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall God repeating the same promise. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, the same land on which Abraham was and pitched a tent. God appears 
to uh, uh, Jacob and gives him the same pro promise. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know. What was in that place was the Lord, not witches. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Oh, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put as he said, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place, what? Bethel. But the name of that city had been what lies previously. God calls his granddad. He leaves the familiar, his father's house, his nation and his people, walking towards a place God is leading him. He gets to a place near Bethel. He erects an altar and he calls the name of the Lord. The Lord appears to him again and gives him a promise saying, I'll bring you back to this land. Years after, his grandchild is running for his life. Comes to a place where it was called Lars. And as he slept, he receives a dream, a vision of a ladder that connects to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending. He gets up, takes the stone on which he slept, pours oil on it, erecting an altar, calls on the name of the Lord, and calls that place Bethel. Is it a coincidence that Jacob finds no other place to rest than a place that he himself calls Bethel? The point I'm making is this. As a child of God, the time has come. For you and I, listen, God called Abraham to come out of his father's house and his kindred simply because of the idolatry that were numerous in Haran. God hates idolatry. The problem of Africa is idolatry. It's idolatry. It has permeated every corner and fabric of that society. But thank God for those who love God. So he calls Abraham the first thing Abraham does is to erect an altar to call on the name of the Lord. And because he called on the name of the Lord in that place, his grandchild years after comes to that point, tired and weary. Guess what happens? He sleeps and receives a revelation of heaven. With God himself standing at the top of that stairs. My prayer is that may your sacrifice May your altar that you build spiritually with prayer be such and, 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 your, and, and your fear and love for God be such that your ancestors one day will not have to struggle. They will not see any altar chasing them. They, they will not see any altar speaking against them. But by virtue of your commitment to Christ, you are breaking it in the name of Jesus. Huh. One thing Abraham did was that anywhere he rested, he built an altar. Why? Because he didn't know. Maybe one day, his grandchild or his great-great-great-grandchild may come to that place. And because by virtue of the altar he built, the connection of God's presence will be there for his child. If there is a gift you can give to your child, besides giving that child a godly example Ensuring that child comes to know Christ and giving that child good education. 
the best gift you can give to your child is to let that child know what it means to convert the presence of God. Because it's the presence of God that makes the difference. When Lord struggled with Abraham, Abraham said, look at the left, take. He took the fertile land, but Abraham knew that if God be for me, who can be against me? And I want to challenge you today that as we bring our thanksgiving offerings to the Lord, let it come from your heart. You see, God is more interested in your heart than what you say. Amen. And Abraham was so loyal to the Lord that at a point he took his own only son and was about to offer that child as a sacrifice. But God doesn't love human sacrifice. And you and I, it is impossible to outgive God. But what I want us to do today, I want every one of us to come to the front. I will give instructions as to when. And all what I want us to do, bring your sacrifice, lay it on the altar. If your children are here, come with them. If you are married, come with your spouse. Lay it on the altar and say that, Father, this seed that I'm sowing today, as my thanksgiving and sacrifice offering, Father, is to be a seed that will exonerate and take all my children and my great-great-grandchildren away from any altar. Minus my family in the name of Jesus. And also, Father, for all that you have done for me in my life, me and my family, we come and we say, Abba, Father, thank you. Shall we be on our feet at this time? Thank you, Jesus. Before we do that, I want us to pray. And the prayer you are going to pray is that from today, no evil altar will speak against you anymore. And that because the Lord has redeemed you from the hand of the enemy, you are secure. You will no longer, you will never be afraid of anything that is satanic. Say this after me. Oh Lord, oh Lord. today, in the name of Jesus, as I bring my sacrifice before the altar, I boldly declare in the name of Jesus that no altar, no satanic altar from my background or from any connection I've had will work against my, me, will work against me, my wife, my children, and my children's children. My children shall be great and the blessings of Abraham shall come upon us because it is your promise. And oh Lord, as I lift my voice this afternoon and clap my hands, come on, let those altars fall. We break it. We break it. Let every opposing altar bow. Let every finger of the enemy bow. We will walk in the liberty with which you have set us free. In the name of Jesus. We put on the whole armor of God. And as the redeemed of the Lord, we say so. Jesus' name. Please be seated.
Thank you for your patience today. If you need an envelope, I want you to raise your Brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counselling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE 27 OSA or call 0208 766 7732. Thank you and remain blessed.